In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining us and happy Friday, friends. Woohoo! Uh, let's see the crew. What? Oh, you I have something know. to say to me, Brett? No, Kelly, you're wonderful and magical. Thank everything. you. Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games, and my favorite Felicia Day performance is The Guild, going old school. Uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and my favorite Felicia Day performance is Buffy Season 7 because I'm predictable. <laughs> well, there you go. If this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful if you could leave a quick review about the show. Because not only do you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, as a bonus, we will give you a special shout out on the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show. We love the feedback. You get a special shout out. Everybody wins. Maybe I can convince Brett to do it in a funny voice. You know what? Challenge accepted. We'll have to figure out the voices in a future episode, depending on how this goes. Brian could do it in his Ray Liotta impression. Yeah, that's that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, I could do Christian Bale Batman or something. We'll see. <sighs> <laughs> Rachel. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send us an email to mothershippod at usatoday.com. On to the main topic. Here's a clip. The key does have a power. No sh- It takes the darkest parts of you and makes a kind of, well, you meant it. Kind of like a depression monster. Looks like you, talks like you. But don't worry, it can't actually hurt you. Unless it gets in your head and convinces you to hurt yourself. What? But you'll be fine. It only affects the last person who touched the key, so just pass it along to someone else. That's what we did. Who's we? My former shipmates. After I stole the key, we passed it from person to person until we, you know, ran out of options. What does that mean, you ran out of options? Um, hidden iceberg. I have to be holding the key when we sank because the rest of them just couldn't handle it. You have to be like a badass about it. And what can I say? They were weak. Okay, I'm sorry. Exactly how many of them survived the key before you? Maybe like half? This key made half of your shipmates kill themselves and you gave it to me? Yeah, but don't worry. They were all pretty psychologically damaged already. That was from The Magicians, featuring a guest appearance from the one and only Felicia Day, who was our special guest this week. She has an incredible career, which includes the classic streaming series, The Guild, appearances in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural, two favorites of the Mothership crew. She's just released her second book entitled Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity. Felicia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for making time for me. Of course. Yeah, same to you too. Thanks so much. So we both had a chance to look at the book, but for those folks who, who don't know a lot about it, could you describe what exactly your book's about? Yeah, my book is called Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity. 
And it is a funny kind of self-help book um, that is whimsical and geeky, and it encourages everyone to uh, embrace who they are and uh, just put more out in the world, overcome all those barriers that keep us silent, because I think creativity is really um, kind of self-care that all of us needs in our lives. So the book is full of like a lot of activities and exercises. I almost feel like the genre should be like a workbook. Um, did you sort of try them all out before you included them to like make sure they were up to your standards? Oh, absolutely. You know, everything in this book is hard-won wisdom from my growing up and growing and getting over all these barriers uh, that I've had over the years to getting my creativity out there. So I wanted the book to be interactive because most of my fans are online, and uh, I really love that sort of one-click-away feeling. And so really it's a guided kind of journey together to go from not being as creative to having a mission kind of in the end. And so, yes, I did try out all the exercises, and uh, they actually took the most time to come up with because I really wanted to make them fun and innovative and come at these ideas and concepts like procrastination and finding out who you are in a different and engaging way. Did you do the exercise where you have to rip a page out of the book? Well, I mean, I didn't do that one, but I have (laughs) ripped a book before, and it felt very bad. It felt very, very counterintuitive, but that's what I'm trying to do in everything in this book. I'm trying to get people to see their lives themselves, their creativity, the things that block them, all from a different angle, because if you see it from a different angle, you can maybe attack it in a different way and get over it a little bit quicker than you did in the past. So in the chapter Enemies, you have a lot of exercises about anxiety that look a lot like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, Did you consult with professionals on that? No, I did not. I have not done cognitive behavior therapy, but now that I'm investigating a little bit more, I do see echoes of that. I've done a lot of therapy in my life, uh, not specifically cognitive behavior therapy, but I I do, you know, over the years, I I consider it kind of like a mission of mine to get over my anxiety and get over all my issues, especially around anxiety and um, these things that hold my voice back a lot. So, I definitely see it falling in line with some of that, but but I have not consulted professionals, and if everyone should seek more help if they feel like that's a direction they need to go in with actual professionals. So, in your first book, which is a, a memoir, you're never weird on the internet. Almost, <laughs> it's very yes. it's long but awesome. I love it. You say in the intro to embrace your weird that you found out that your first book inspired a lot of your fans to go out and create things and name a hedgehog after you. So that's why you ended up with this book. But are you thinking of ever returning to a more narrative book writing, either fictional or not? Oh, for sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, my goal actually in doing this book, I found out a lot of things about myself and set new goals for myself creatively as well. This is definitely a uh, firsthand account of someone getting through a challenging time. Um, I wrote this book after having a baby, and that was a real jolt and a shock to my system because I needed to start letting go of some things in the past that were taking up my time to make room for my baby. But also, I needed to kind of rethink what were my priorities going forward and what I wanted to focus on. So I think everybody in their lives, whether you're going through puberty or getting out of high school or college or turning 30 or having a baby or retiring, when we go through big transitions in life, we need a little help and we need some introspection so we know that we're kind of setting out in a new direction that's going to be even more fulfilling than where where we came from. And so um, for sure, my goal is to write a narrative in the future after I do some other things that I have on the docket. But it is a bucket list item that I will 100% get to. 
So I really, really loved your first book. And one of my very favorite parts of it is the chapter that you talk about Gamergate. And you had this one specific line about how you had this fear that the internet, which had sort of given you so much in your life previously, had sort of turned into this bad, unsafe space. And I read that in 2015. <laughs> uh, yeah, Feels yeah. wildly prescient now. Um, our entire perception of the internet and the internet itself has changed dramatically since then. You know, how do you feel about your relationship with the internet now that especially since hate speech and abuse is a honestly more prevalent and b people have more awareness of it in the general populace as opposed to in like niche corners of the internet? I mean, it certainly isn't more prevalent for me. My profile is uh, lower than it used to be. And certainly I was used to it for years before that. I got all that brunt of um, sort of uh, smearing and ganging up on and being attacked online uh, early. So it was never a surprise what happened. I think um, for me and a lot of other women who had it much worse than me, a lot of us said, hey, this is a problem. And yet no one really paid attention to it because you're right, it was niche. And it was easier to kind of just think that it was going to go away. But clearly, um, to people who've been on the internet a long time, you could see this sort of like growing because to me, the positive part of the internet is that it allows people who don't feel like they have a place in their physical world to have a place of belonging and acceptance in the online world. And that's always been, I've been, always been a champion of that because if you're in Nebraska and you love anime or if you're, uh, if you're gay or if you don't look like everybody else around you, you can feel isolated and misunderstood and start abandoning who you are. And the online world gives you the keys to connect with other people who can maybe accept yourself and, and love yourself a little more. Unfortunately, the flip side of that is as well, if you have things that society has deemed unacceptable, uh, unacceptable like racism and everything we're seeing pop up on the on the internet, and you will be able to find a group of people who make you feel normalized mm-hmm. and accept those behaviors. So it really is two um, edges of a sword in a sense. And, you know, I think it also, if you have a public square or a, st- a shop where anybody can come in and yell and attack people and no one, the owner doesn't do anything about it, well, because they're making money off people, well, that's kind of where we are now. The platforms enable it. They don't really protect people and they do it to monetize themselves. So I think, you know, it's the inevitability of everything we loved about the Internet 10 years ago has kind of uh, come to fruition and it's going to have to be addressed because it is a, you know, uh, it's not great for society or people just start logging off. You know, for me, I'm, like I said, less profile, high profile. I have done less in the gaming world the last several years, uh, some by choice, some by not because the results of some things. And so, um, I concentrate on the things that I love and the, and the fans that like me and support me. And it's actually a little more fulfilling. I think being in a position where you're trying to please everybody for business reasons, uh, doesn't give you a lot of options in defending yourself. And, you know, really prioritizing myself, which is kind of a theme of my book, actually, you know, really learning what you inside want to say and what you stand for and being brave enough to say it because, yes, you might alienate some people because of your expression of self, but you're going to attract the right people into your world who really will love and accept you. Mm -hmm. So you were one of the pioneers when it came to not just YouTube, but just the general idea of having TV on the Internet with the Guild to the point where now we're seeing the biggest corporations throwing tons of money into streaming platforms. I mean, are you as overwhelmed by all this as we are? You know, I think it's the inevitability again uh, of what I did many years ago. I mean, you know, people work in story worlds. You know, it's really about world building and then making a bunch of stories in those alternate worlds, um, which is kind of 
what, you know, I started doing in the guild and what people were starting to do with other things, Dr. Horrible, like really going outside the system to kind of build world building for geeks, which is why geeks are kind of mainstream right now as far as their entertainment goes. And you can definitely see the the progression of web series being pioneering and then being co-opted and then finally being kind of crushed by um, larger budget institutionalized Hollywood media because they saw that there were other ways to get entertainment to people and make money and that's what they're doing, which is good and bad. Again, um, there are not as many independent creators that can make content. Like, you know, I don't make videos anymore because it's just not, and there's no ecosystem really there to, to fund them. But again, we're getting a lot more television and a lot more options. So yeah, it's just the progression of media. There's always going to be outliers that pioneer and then that's going to be co-opted and rinse and repeat. So I'm just really glad and uh, fulfilled to be on the cutting edge and also just maintain a connection with my fans um, for so many years. It's very important to me. So however large the fan base is, I will be expressing myself in a way that uh, hopefully they like. You were on the seventh season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and obviously that's one of the many, many reboot, revival, remake, whatever you want to call it these days. That's in the pipeline coming from Hollywood. Did you have any thoughts about that when you heard that announced? I mean, I think it's very exciting. I uh, I definitely love the Buffy world. I think you know, like I said, there's now we're in the in the world of story worlds where you know you have if you are able to create a world and a set of characters that's awesome enough, you can create so many spokes off that wheel narratively and you know games and comics and all sorts of kind of entertainment. So. I'm blessed to have been part of many worlds like that, especially Joss Whedon world. And so they're always my favorite. I'm excited that they're they're thinking about the Buffy reboot as sort of like an extension versus like replacing Buffy. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I heard. But that's all that I know about it. You know, I was a minor character, but one who um, had a, a lot to say at the end. And I uh, I would be excited to see any form of Buffy come back, whether I was involved or not. So another world you were a part of, too, is Supernatural, which is embarking on its final season. Um, what was your reaction when you found out the show was finally ending? You know, I had actually known a little bit about it before. You know, there have been lots of discussions when the time to end it was. Uh, there were rumors and things like that. So I wasn't surprised, but I was, you know, when something that you are, you know, dreading happens, it's sort of, uh, you know, impactful. I was on seven seasons uh, or over seven years. I've been on and off that show. And it's been always such a blessing, not only because of the fans, but also just working with the actors, being on the set, being able to play a character that means something to people. I mean, Charlie is um, a geeky, nerdy, confident, uh, queer character. And I just, you know, the stories that I hear from people coming up and saying how she empowered them to be themselves are so impactful to me. So I'm blessed to have been Charlie as long as I did. It was only supposed to be a one episode character. <laughs> I know they're going to see it out the right way because the people in charge really love the show as much as the fans do. Do you have a favorite memory uh, from working on the show? I mean, I just uh, I love being picked up by Jared Padalecki because he's like an oak tree. So it feels like being picked up by an ant. <laughs> <laughs> so you recently added the magicians uh, to your canon of guesting on fantasy series. What was that experience like? The magicians is great. Sarah Gamble was actually the showrunner of Supernatural when uh, Charlie was introduced. So I'm so blessed that she likes what I do and appreciates, you know, me as an actor. It is really great to um, be on a show that I watch myself. And I think that show is really special oh, yeah. because it's not like anything else out there. It's always surprising. 
It uh, it's based in the books, but also always is veering off. And it's it's very brave and fun. And so being Poppy is a stretch because she's a little bit of a chaotic character. And so that's even more of a treat. So is there a show or a movie on your kind of your wish list that you really would love to make an appearance on? I mean, I'd love to do some comedy. I don't, you know, I, I feel like I'm more of a comedic actress in genre, which is very small niche. Um, so my dream shows would be like something like The Good Place, although it's almost ending, but something you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, those kind of comedies would be super fun to do, as well as my dream is to be on a Star Trek show. It's my favorite um, world. I was in love with Star Trek The Next Generation. That's kind of what made me a, a nerd when I was a kid. And so um, that would be a dream come true. Maybe you could do a voice on Below Decks, the the animated comedy they have coming on CBS All Access. You know, I auditioned for it, <laughs> but I did not get it. So maybe they'll consider me for a guest spot. I'll talk to them. <laughs> so I have to say, I just started binging the next generation because I had never watched it when it originally was on. Is there anything I should know about or be aware of as I go forth on this journey? I mean, it's just, there's a lot of people to have a crush on in that show. <laughs> so I would just be generous with your crushes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you talked about how you're going to do a novel. It's on your bucket list, but you have other stuff coming up. What's like next in the works for you after you're done promoting this book, I assume. Um, I can't really talk about anything that I have coming up, but I do have some acting work that I'm excited about. I also have a couple of writing projects for next year that I'm working on currently. Yeah, so I, I wish I could say exactly what I'm doing, but I am very, very busy and very excited to show people even more of what I'm creating. After doing Embrace Your Weird, it's actually, I'm not kidding, doing my own book has really helped me as a creator to be a little bit more bold, a little bit more out of the box, and willing to walk away from things that I think I should have been wanting, but I really don't want in my heart. So in the moments where you do have some free time, are there any shows, movies, books, games, anything that you're really, really into right now? Um, you know, I, uh, I'm i really playing this little independent game called Dicey Dungeons. It's a really fun puzzle game. It's on Steam, and that's kind of my obsession right now. I just finished this book, Gideon the Ninth, which is amazing. It's like a space necromancer uh lesbian <laughs> novel <laughs> mystery sci-fi fantasy it's got everything it's a very hard to describe book but it's just it's one of those i'm actually intending on rereading because i'm so fascinated with the world and you know for for tv i've been very negligent so i just didn't finish the boys and i just love it so underappreciated for sure that show so i have to ask since everybody's talking about it have you played untitled goose game yet i have not because i've been on tour since it came out so that'll be a definitely I stream weekly on Twitch. So I'm 100 percent going to be uh, doing that game as soon as I get home. OK, awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. And um, best of luck with the book and everything else you have going on. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. the time. OK, listeners, your turn. What is your favorite Felicia Day role? Are you inspired to go create something now? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23. And I'm at K-Lals, K-L-A-W-L-S, and Brian is at Brian Truitt, even though he is not here right now. Yes, and he's probably bummed that we were talking all the supernatural, but anyway. Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. But that'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special shout out to our pilot slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please, please, please leave us a rating or a review because it helps other people find the show. And we love the feedback. You play a very important part in how the show is, so we really appreciate it. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or pretty much anywhere else you listen to podcasts. 
So until next week, nerds out. Bye.